Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Sunday, December the 25th, 2022. It is currently 7.02 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, it's Christmas night. I don't know how your day has went. I Hopefully, it's gone great. Hopefully, if you listen to our last live broadcast, hopefully it's met your expectations. And if it didn't meet your expectations... Hopefully you had the correct expectation. Okay, I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to, to review. Okay, go listen to the last live broadcast. You'll know what I'm talking about. But it is Christmas night. And I don't know how you handle Chris, Christmas night. Maybe this is, you just kind of reflect on how wonderful the holidays were. Maybe this is a great time. Maybe you're happy. Maybe you're content. Maybe you're disappointed. Maybe you're depressed. I don't know where I find you emotionally, but no matter where I find us emotionally, no matter where I find you, no matter where I find me emotionally, this is what I know is true. Here in a couple of hours, Christmas 2022, boom, gone. It's just gone. It just vanishes. It's just over, right? It's just the day was here and the day is gone. And if you if you have any regrets about, man, I didn't make the most out of it spiritually, it doesn't matter. It's over. There's no going back. There's no do-overs. It's just over. And I know what happens when you wake up tomorrow. It's Monday and a new week begins. Some of you have to immediately go back to work. Some of you may be traveling back home. Whatever the situation is, life, in a sense, returns back to normal, at least to some level, before we get to the New Year's weekend and we get to that in, in, in a situation. But for the most, for in many cases, we just re- return right back to normal, especially here for the Bible study exercise, because Technically, starting today, I said I was going to introduce it tomorrow, but if you have the opportunity to do it now, just take it. Tomorrow begins a new week of Bible study, and we've got really one week left in 2022. One week left, and I hope we can go out of 2022 with a strong week of Bible study. I know that's asking a lot, right? You're still trying to recover from Christmas. You're starting tomorrow. You may be cleaning up. You got this. You got that. Maybe you got more family coming in or family going in. Who knows? Maybe what you're planning, and I know it's going to be easy to be distracted, and before you know it, it's, it's going to be 2023, but if you can, this last week of 2022, Let's really try to have a good week of Bible study, and let's see if we can do some more work, some more work on the subject of fear, which we have been studying now for the past couple of weeks. Remember, we're in the middle of a seven-week study, basically seven weeks, maybe seven weeks plus, maybe a little less, somewhere around seven weeks of study on the topic of fear. I've given you homework. You've had assignments. You're supposed to be doing the thematic method on the subject of fear, answering your questions. So much you're supposed to be doing. But I have been trying. If you notice, I gave you the thematic method, and then I've kind of posed questions and tried to answer some questions as we've been covering specific passages of Scripture right? We looked at Psalm 33, Romans chapter 8. We've been looking at a number of, of scriptures. And, and then I gave you this week, remember, was Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2. And I, and I wanted you to look at the whole Christmas story and, and, and looking at it from the perspective of what does it say about fear and, and all of that. Hopefully you did that. I know, I know 
I know before you knew it, it, it here we are, Christmas night. And you were like, I, well, I, I wanted to do it. I, I meant to do it. And well, it, it's over. So we can't worry about that now. Now all we can do is look at the week ahead. So the week ahead, the week ahead, if you're using the curriculum, you would be opening up session five, session five. Now, if you're listening, you don't know what I'm talking about. We have a curriculum that supplements what we do here on the podcast. All you have to do is email me newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. We send you a link. You sign up, you email me back saying, hey, I'm in, and then I assign you the curriculum. It is absolutely free. We don't use your email to send you a monthly reminder that we need money or anything along those lines. We just want you to have access to the curriculum. Now, we will be doing probably somewhat of a purge um, of those who signed up for the curriculum and I don't think I've ever heard from again, <laughs> okay? Um, I'm hoping they're using it, uh, but if I don't hear from some people, I probably will start removing some people uh, because because they are taking up a spot. And, and what happens is after all the spots are filled, we have to pay a larger amount to upgrade for now, and, and, and a lot of times people are like, well, well, then just remove me. No, if you're using it, don't say that. There's people who probably are not even using it. I've never even heard from ever again in any way, shape or form no, and, and, no, and no communication. So there's a high probability. Well, let's find the ones who are clearly not using it because and, and if we and look, I got no problem paying more if we can get good curriculum into the hands of people. But I know this. Sometimes you can try to put the curriculum into the hands of people and then they stop using it. So. If you want it, let me know. And uh, you have two tracks, two curriculum tracks. And, uh, and, and one of them is kind of more of a topical study. The other one tends to work through books or parts of books. And we kind of go back and forth, whichever one we're going to use. And uh, well, in fact, the last live broadcast, I was using part of the curriculum uh, when we talked about Jesus and our expectations or wrong expectations. So it can show up at any time in any podcast episode. But this week, for session five, they if you open up the curriculum, the title of it is Courage in Place of Fear. Courage in Place of Fear. All right, so basically what they see appears to the direction they're going is this. Remember, we talked about this. There's a right kind of fear and there's a wrong kind of fear. Right? And, and I told you, and we, we talked a lot about that in our introductory lessons, and I think we did a pretty good job in trying to unfold that. Clearly here, what they're saying is, here's the wrong kind of fear. Replace it with courage. Now, that sounds good, right? But I wonder, is that biblical wisdom or is that earthly wisdom? Does, I mean, does that amount to, hey, you've got the wrong kind of fear, just be courageous. Just be brave. Is, is that how it works? Hey, I know you're scared. Just have courage. Does, does it just magically ma- manifest itself? And what if we, if we try to understand the biblical concept of fear, the right kind of fear and the wrong kind of fear, what would be the biblical concept of courage? Where does the biblical idea of courage, when we talk about biblical courage, where does it arise from? Oh, this, 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 could, this could turn into who knows which direction we're going to go this week. But I immediately have questions. Now, as soon as you read the, the title, underneath it is a person jumping out of an airplane. Now, I guess what they're trying to demonstrate in a symbolic way, see, this person has courage, right? They're jumping out of the airplane. That takes courage. They're courageous. 
right? And then underneath that, they're like, what is the scariest leap of faith you've ever taken? Now, of course, the question is designed for small group settings where you quote unquote break the ice because if you get, if you ask everyone, what is the scariest leap of faith? And everyone gets to tell some crazy story of something they did. And everyone loves to tell crazy stories about something they did because everybody goes, ooh, ah, okay. So that's what that's fit. Therefore, we're not going to spend much time with that. Now, the point of this week's study, according to the curriculum, and remember, we just use this. Sometimes I, I sometimes I'll go through this, and before the, as we start pr- proceeding through the week, you'll know that I will like completely ignore it, or in many cases, go absolutely against it. But it's there to supplement and offer a, an alternative perspective if I do go against it, which you benefit from. But here's the point for this week's study, according to the curriculum. We'll see by, by, if by the time we get to the end of the week, if this remains the point. Courageously follow Jesus, even in fearful circumstances. So what they want us to do, and the point they want to make is, hey, that we should courageously follow Jesus, even in the midst of, of fearful circumstances. Now, that sounds good. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, when you face fearful circumstances, courageously follow Jesus. And everybody can go, yay, amen, brother. That's good. Good. I'm going to have courage. But I I don't know. Does it just work that way? Courageously follow. I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to be courageous. I, I don't know if that's the way it works. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Here's my concern for this week. Oh boy. Here, here's where I think this week is getting ready to turn not into so much a discussion about fear and courage. I think it's getting ready to turn into a discussion on biblical hermeneutics. That's what I think it's getting ready to turn into. Oh boy, are you ready? Okay, this week, all right, this week, starting tonight, if you have the opportunity, Matthew chapter 14. Verses 22 to 33 must become your friend. You know how I say this every week. Whatever text of scripture I provide you, you're supposed to read it over and 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 and live it and live it and live in it and breathe it. And hopefully it sparks conversation about it, right? That's what it's supposed to do. So this week, you're going to live in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Let me just once again remind you, if you're using the Blue Letter Bible app, you can go to Matthew chapter 14, tap on verse 1, and then guess what happens? Happens, it will uh, a drop down menu will show up, and one of the things will say start audio Bible, and you can say read chapter seven times, and it will read to you the chapter seven times. That that's the blue letter Bible app. If you use the U version Bible app, you open up the U version Bible app, you go down to where it says Bible, you click Matthew, here it is, chapter 14, and then right at the top, there's a speaker right? There's a speaker. You click on it, hit play. Matthew 14. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and said unto his servants. There you go. It just immediately starts playing. Please make use of those uh, free apps, the Version Bible app or the Blue Letter Bible app. Please use those. And the reason I say use those is, look, there was a time in my Christian life I'd be like, no, read it yourself. Don't have, don't have someone else read it for you. But I've basically reached the point, like, I don't care how you do it. Live with Matthew 14 all week. The more, Listen, Bible study is 99% observation. The more you read it, 
the more you hear it read over and over and over again. The text becomes a part of you. When the text becomes a part of you, you observe what's actually there, not what people tell you is there. And you know what's what's wonderful? If you would really do this part of the Bible studies, when I tell you to read it over and over and over, if you would really engage in this part, here's what would happen. When the study is over, you may not re- remember the points that you discovered. You may not even re- remember the points that was made in the study. You may not remember anything I have said, but guess what you will remember? You will remember the text because you read it over and over and over and over and over again. All right, so, so important. But this is going to raise some serious questions. So are you ready? Let's go to Matthew chapter 14. Oh, no, 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 not Matthew 14, 22 to 33. No, not Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Not Matthew 14, 22 to 33. You, you know what it is, right? Oh, come on. You know what it is. You know what it is, right? We don't want this. Oh, you, you, how many sermons have you heard on this text? Hundreds, right? Thousands of sermons you've heard on this text. How do they all handle the text? Oh, come on. All right, well, let's, I'm not going to, let's just see what we're going to do here. Matthew 14, verse 22. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit! And they cried out for fear. All right, now there's the fear portion. Why it's a text for this week. But straightway Jesus spake unto them and said, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if thou, if, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he was, when he saw the wind and boi- uh, the wind boisterous, he was afraid. There's fear again. And beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And and they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Now, we all know this text, right? I mean, we know this. We know this story. And how is it typically preached? Well, let's go through how it's typically preached. I'm going to just do a, a, a kind of a, a sample of a lot of the sermons I've heard. And you know you've heard these same kind of sermons. Well, first of all, Jesus constrained the disciples to get into the ship. In a sense, Jesus put them in the ship, told them to go that way. And obviously he knew they were going to end up in a storm. So how, how does this preach? Sometimes Jesus sends you into the storm. So immediately what they do is they take this story that's a historical account and immediately make it an allegory or an illustration of your life. 
And so what they do is they turn, they make this about us, not about the disciples. And they somehow try to say, these are principles that are, we are supposed to live by, or it's, it's, it's giving us, it's prescribing almost how we are to live, what we are to do. And it's all about us. And that raises a serious hermeneutical question. Are we to take this text and make it about us? Now you say, well, there, there, there could be some lessons here. I know, but we've got to be very careful because is the writer, is, is Matthew, or the writer of the Gospel of Matthew, let's say it that way, is the author here, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is this being written to say, hey guys, look at the symbolism. Look at this. This is a picture of your life. See, when you find yourself in difficulties, that's Jesus. He sent you into the storm. He sent you into the Now, when he sends you into the storm, where will Jesus be? Well, look at this. He, uh, he sent the multitudes away and he went up in a mountain apart to pray. See, and so this is how it's preached. Jesus sends you into the storm, but guess where Jesus is when you find yourself in the storm? He's there praying for you. Is that the point here? All right, so he sends them. He's in the mountain, he's praying. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. So Jesus sends them into the storm, but he's praying for them. This is the way it's preached. But they would say, Jesus knows they're in the storm, but he waits. Because look what the text says. And in the fourth watch of the night, uh, oh, see, but the ship was tossed in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, though most will try to in- indicate that there was some delay, that Jesus sent them, he prayed, knew they were in the storm and waited and waited until they got scared until they got. So sometimes Jesus sends us into the storm, but be of good courage. He's praying for you, but he will, he may sometimes not show up. He may not show up to the fourth watch. See, they make all of this very allegorical, make all of this very symbolic. And this is a common way of preaching this. In fact, we will review some random sermons this week on Matthew 14. I'm just going to choose like just, just look, boom, pick, play. They may, maybe maybe they're going to all prove me wrong, but I have a feeling without fail, they're going to go in somewhat of a similar uh, direction as I as I am indicating here. When the disciples saw him, so he waits to the fourth watch, then he goes unto them walking on the sea. So now this is the way it's, Jesus sends you into the storm, but he's praying for you, right? You may be in the storm, he's praying. He may not show up into the fourth watch, but he will show up. He will show up. And notice how he shows up. He's walking on the sea. In other words, the storm and the problems don't affect Jesus. They may affect you, but they don't affect him. All right? So once again, they're, they're going to turn this all into some kind of picture. All right? Then when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying it is a spirit and they cried out for fear. Now, typically this will be preached something like this. Hey, sometimes Jesus shows up in the midst of our storm and we don't recognize him. We don't see him for who he is. We don't know that he's present because we're so preoccupied with the storm that we're scared of everything and we don't see help when it's actually there. They'll go something along those lines. Then, um, but straightway Jesus spake and said unto him, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. So this will be like, hey, as long as Jesus is present, we should be of good cheer. We should not be afraid of the storm because Jesus is present. We have to learn to see Jesus' presence in the storm. 
Peter answered and said unto him, Lord, if thou, if thou, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, typically this is preached. We, sh- we criticize Peter all the time. We can't criticize Peter because he was willing to get out of the boat. Are you willing to get out of the boat? Do you trust Jesus enough to get out of the boat in the midst of the storm? All right, that's typically how it, 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 it's preached. And then P- Peter is walking um, on the water. He's walking on the water. And the fo- idea here is, see, if we, will, if we will recognize Jesus in the storm, and if we will focus on Jesus on the storm, then we can get out of the boat, and then we can walk, and we can be overcomers in the storm if we're focused on Jesus. But what does Peter do? Well, we know what happens, right? Uh, when he, Peter takes his eyes off Jesus, this is typically how it's preached, and now he begins to focus on the storm. And when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. So here's what happens. If we will recognize Jesus in the storm, if we will focus on him, and we can get out of the boat and, and be victorious over the storm. But at, the, at any point, if we take our eyes off Jesus and we focus in on the storm, we will begin to sink. The only way not to sink in the storm is not to look to the storm, but to look to Jesus. And if we do that, boom, we'll be overcome. But when we do fail, we can cry out, Jesus saves me, and he'll, put a, he'll, he'll pull us back up and put us in the boat. And that's typically how it's preached. Now, I'm, I'm, being, I'm, I'm simplifying it and not using all the theatrics and all of the inflection of voice and the way it's typically preached. But it is preached in such a way to get people excited. And they're like, yes, I'm going to do this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of the boat. And I'm going to walk to Jesus. And I'm never going to have the storms sink me again. And I'm going to be an overcomer. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to be of good cheer. And I'm not going to be afraid. And everybody gets all excited. We're, we're going to do it. Well, it makes for a good sermon. People, the pastors can tell little jokes here. People can laugh. People can go, ooh, oh, and then everyone has a good time. Sermon is over. Everyone goes home and they still find themselves getting irritated, scared, worried, anxiety when the storm hits because all they did was hear kind of an, uh, an allegory, a, 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 a chapter turned into an allegory that's supposed to be now supposedly prescribes the four things we're supposed to do when we find ourselves in a storm. When we find ourselves in a storm, we need to remember that Jesus sent us into the storm. Number two, we need to remember that Jesus is praying for us in the storm. Number three, we need to remember that Jesus will show up when he is ready. In his time, he will show up. And, and number four, when he shows up, we must recognize him and we must put our focus on him. Something along those lines gives us four principles. Usually it's something we must do, we must do we must do we must do and then dun dun da da there we go now we have the sermon now i'm not obviously i'm being a little bit of negative towards that approach i'm being a little bit negative to that approach because i i want to challenge us and we may come to the conclusion that that is the right approach we may come to the conclusion that's the best approach but i want to challenge it And I want you to think about it. I want you to just read this section over and over and over and over. And I want you to ask, so what is the point of this section? Here's here's what I think is interesting. I would argue the point of the narrative is about Jesus. It shows who Jesus is. The point of the narrative is it shows that Jesus is obviously divine because he has power over nature. He can walk on the water, 
right? He has power over nature. He has the one to, he's the one who saves Peter. Now you could argue, well, wait a minute, Peter walked on the water too. So does that really prove Jesus deity? You could, you could make an argument, but when he gets into the boat, they seem to worship him. So I still think the emphasis of the text is to show that Jesus is deity, shows his divinity, and that it's about Jesus. Somehow we say it's about Jesus, but the entirety of the sermon becomes about us. So is it about us or is it about Jesus? Because most sermons on this ends about, here's what we must do. 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 Is it a text prescribing principles, telling us what we must do, or is it a text emphasizing Jesus' deity? And here was another case where they recognized it and saw it. Now you say, well, okay, it is about Jesus. It is about his deity, but, 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 but we can, I'm not saying there's not points here that may not be applicable, but we have to be very careful that we don't, in a sense, start trying to find points here that may not ever be the intention of the text. Now, before you look at the curriculum this week, right, before you look at the curriculum this week, I want you just reading it over and over and over. And I want you just contemplating like how, what's the best approach to this text? How should this text be approached? What what do we think it's actually trying to say? And I want you to just see if you find any textual clues, maybe something that comes before, maybe something that comes after something. That's why I want you to listen to the whole chapter. I don't want you to just read the whole chapter over and over and over and over and over and over. What do you think is happening here? All right. So there's first thing. I just want you to read the chapter over and over and over and over and over. All right. Second thing I want you to do. How do I, I'm going to go ahead and do this. I want you to look at the curriculum and see how they handle it. I want you to see how they handle it, right? Just, you can skim through the curriculum and just get a basic idea of how they handle the text. We still may work through it together, but I want you to just skim through the curriculum and see how do they, how do they handle it? What, what do they do with it? All right. So number one, I want you to just read it, the chapter over and over and over and over and over and over and over, live with it. All right. I want you to really think about it. Talk about it with others, right? Ask other people, you know, Hey, Matthew four, Matthew 14, the story of Jesus, you know, he walks on the water and Peter hops out. So, so what do you think we should do with this? And hear what your, what your, uh, your fellow Christian friends have to say about it. All right. Let's see. All right. Look at the curriculum. How do they handle it? Then I want you to, I'm not even going to have you do that. I'll try to find the random sermons and listen to, I'll try to find, I want you to look up three commentaries, three commentaries and see what they do with it. That's simple. Read it over and over and over. Look at the curriculum and then look up three commentaries and see what they do with it. And see if you, if you happen to discover anyone who approaches it in a kind of a different way, or does everyone just go straight allegory and allegorize it and and turn it into an illustration? Now we may, we may come to the conclusion that that's what we're supposed to do with the text, but I want to at least challenge that. Remember, Bible study is not about going to a text with your presuppositions. Bible study is about laying aside what I've studied this text so many times, but I don't care what conclusions I came to last time. We're going to study it again. So I'm going to lay aside those presuppositions and see what we discover. And I want to hear what you think. I want you to just look at this and go, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? See, now I could just come at it and go, so what do we learn? How do we overcome fear? 
How do, how do I could just immediately go there, but I don't want to go there right now. I want to just see what should we do with this text? Do we just straight up turn it into a story? And that's, and, and I, the way I explained it, I've heard it preached that way. I, I am not joking. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. I'm like, oh, open your Bibles to Matthew 14. And I'm like, I know how this sermon is going. Now, I'm not saying that that makes it wrong. I'm not saying that that makes it wrong. What I'm saying is that gives me pause to go, hmm. It's almost like everyone was handed a template and how to preach this sermon. And everyone's just been following that template. I'm going to at least question the template. And that's what we do here, right? We may come to the conclusion that everyone was right. That's perfectly okay. Or I may come to the conclusion, I don't know if that's what we're supposed to be doing with this text. I just don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I was going to give you another assignment, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Read it over and over and over. I want you to read the whole chapter over and over and over. Matthew 14, over and over and over and over and over and over. I want you to go through the curriculum. How do they handle Matthew 14, uh, 22 through 33, and then look at three, uh, three um, commentaries to see how they handle it. it. It would be interesting to see if people were to choose a key verse from this, what would they pick? What would be their key verse? What would be their key verse? I, I don't know. There's a part of me, at least this time reading it, and they and then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, thou art the son of God. There's, to me, that's the key. The key is about Jesus. It's not even really about the disciples. It's not, it's not about any of them. It's like this whole situation is simply designed more to point them to Jesus than it is to point to us principles in which to live our life. The principle is we have to, we, it's about Jesus. Who is Jesus? But I don't know if that's being fair to the text. I don't know if that's being fair to the text. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to ignore what the text is for. I just don't see the text written in a way. I don't know. I don't know. It just seems so easy. It's like the temptation is so strong that we almost have to say, Peter, disciples, get out of the way. It's about us. Do I have enough faith to get out of the boat when I'm out of the boat in the midst of the storm? Do I look to Jesus or do I see the storm and sink? Do I, like, like I make it about us. I'm not saying that those principles may not be there. I get nervous if I feel that the principles are being imposed onto the text. I'm trying. If if you listen to what we did this past week for the today's focus podcast series, we worked through Matthew one, right? Not the whole chapter, but through a, a, a small port, a small section in Matthew one, 
And I and and again, I, I look, took what was happening to Joseph and tried to find principles for us. But I think those principles were right there in the text, screaming at me. Right? Hey, Joseph, he decided not to put away Mary publicly, like he could have publicly humiliated her. He did not do that. He put her away privily. He put her away privately. Why? He he had every right. I mean, according to Deuteronomy, he could have had her killed. So. Why? Why did he do that? Well, that's a challenge to us because we have other biblical text that talks about love covers a multitude of sins and, you know, not always publicly humiliating and destroy someone. I think that that principle flows directly from the text. So is it is it fair? Is there a similar way we can do this? I just, to me, the story... Like, if, if I take the story, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he, spit, while he sent the multitudes away. Now, do I see in that, is it fair to say, well, Jesus sends them, and clearly he knows what's going to happen, so Jesus obviously is in charge of our life, knowing what's going to happen. So we have to see wherever we get sent, wherever we show up, that Jesus put us in that situation. Now that raises some serious, serious philosophical questions, right? Right? I mean, someone gets put in a horrible situation and they suffer immensely. Did Jesus send them there? Right? I mean, that raises some serious questions, right? I, I mean, that's a whole subject in and of itself. But would that be, would that be accurate to do that? Well, I guess all I would need to do, to be fair, is I could take that and I could demonstrate that all things work together according to God's good pleasure and will, so that whatever happens in my life happens according to God's good pleasure and will. I think, I think we, so I think we could draw some correlation there, all right? I think he could. Now, I don't know if I'm supposed to read from this that when, when, whenever I know I could do this, that he sends them away, he goes up in a mountain to pray. Now it doesn't specifically say he's praying for them. So I got to be careful not to read that into the text, but I do know the scriptures teach that he lives to make intercession for us. And obviously, well, there's a lot of questions we could have here. Now, in the fourth watch, do I derive something? Can I, can I take a principle that sometimes Jesus doesn't show up to the fourth watch? Is that fair to do? I guess that with this text, I'm just more sensitive to what preachers do because it just seems like we turn the, sto- the story in- into about us. I How do we find that balance? But you live with it. Remember, the Bible study exercise is not me supposed to be giving you the answers. It's supposed to get you involved. I'm trying to get you involved in the process. I'm trying to get you involved, right? I could turn this song, I can turn on the microphone and go, all right, it's Matthew 14 this week. Here's what we're going to do. And just boom, boom. No, 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 no. I like to bring you into the process where you struggle with me. Well, what can I do with this? And all of those sermons you've heard on it, how how have they made you feel? Like, I I would love to get your, your thoughts on all the sermons you've heard on Matthew 14. And if you said, I've never heard a sermon on Matthew 14, I have no idea where you've been, okay? You may be brand new to Christianity, welcome, um, but it's preached on a lot. All right, I'm going to stop right there. I want to say so much more. So live in the text, all of Matthew 14, live in it, 
read it, have it read to you over and over and over and over and over. Look at the curriculum. Just You can skim it. You don't have to go full in if you don't have time. What does it have to say? How does it handle the text? Look up three commentaries. How do they handle the text? Is there, is there a common template how everyone handles the text? Or do you find an outlier going, wait a minute, they, they kind of go a completely different direction here. All right. I love to get what you discover. All right. Let me know. Uh, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. All right. I tried to offer a little bit of skepticism to how most handle it. I tried to offer a little bit of, well, maybe, possibly. I tried to give you both a little bit of skepticism, but a little bit of trying to justify how we can handle it. And I would love to know what you, how you handle Matthew 14 and how you've heard it preached in the past. All right, that's your new week of Bible study. Christmas is fast approaching. It's, all, it's fast approaching 8 p.m. here in West Texas. Before we know it, the clock will say midnight, and it's gone. It's just over. I don't know how that feels to you. I don't know if it's a, an emotional letdown. I don't, I don't know how that feels to you, but it's just here, and it's gone. But I do know this. We got one week left, one week left of 2022. I don't know how your year started, but let's end this year right here in the word of God. And no, we didn't choose it. I wouldn't have chosen Matthew 14 to end the year. I don't know if I would have chosen it. A lot of people would love that text for an end of year message, right? Hey, in the year, we're going to be facing storms. You know there's storms coming. And we always make the storms about us, right? That it's not a physical storm now. It's an emotional storm. See how we, we so allegorize and, and, and spiritualize, spiritualize the text. It just makes me a little nervous. But I'll leave it there. I can't wait to see what you think. Hopefully, we'll have some fun this week working through this. Sermon reviews should be fun. Sermon reviews should be fun. All right, I'm going to choose the most random ones I can. I'm going to try to pick from it. Some websites are just easier to download. So sometimes I just end up picking ones from one, but I like trying to choose those way outliers from just nowhere. Like what, what, I don't know what this is. And because I just like hearing what's going on everywhere, but we will see. And if your church has been working through Matthew, how did they handle it? How did your church handle it? How did they handle it? The last time your church preached on it, how was the text handled? They may have handled it the right way. I'm not saying it was the wrong way. I'm just curious to see. All right, email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That is your Bible study exercise for this week. Please, 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 please. Let's make it a good week of study. Let's benefit greatly from it. And, uh, well, I'm interested to see what we discover and what we find out. Thanks for listening. God bless.